Have you ever had something in your life that you needed to do, but you just kept putting it off? Anybody? Got something you know that you need, it's a responsibility, it's a thing that you know you need to do, but you just, you just keep dragging it out. For me, um, it's the dentist. Um, I hate, and I say that with all the strength I can muster through this microphone, going to the dentist. I just, I don't know, I, I think you have to be a certain type of person that loves inflicting, do we have any dentists in the room? Oh, okay, then I can say this. I think you have to have like some sort of enjoyment of inflicting pain on people to become a dentist. I don't know what it is, but I hate, I, I hate, going, I hate going so bad that literally at one point in my life, now this is, going, this is a confession, so you know, do with it as you will. Don't hold it too far against me. I went six years without going to the dentist, and that's terrible. This face you know, needs all the help it can get. And, um, and I went six years, with, and, and I finally you know, went to the dentist, and he was a guy that was going in our church, and uh, he was like, man, you are one lucky dude. You know, if you've been six years without a dentist, your face should just be full of cavities, and I didn't have a single one, um, which is a miracle in itself, right? Um, and, uh, but I hated it. It was a terrible experience. I don't know if I was just traumatized as a child with going to the dentist, um, but I avoid those guys. It's something that I know I needed to do, but I just keep putting it off. And the question is, is what was I waiting for? Because it wasn't that bad. I didn't die. I actually got a nice little shot of that little you know, happy gas that kind of made everything really smooth for a little while. You know, so it wasn't that bad of experience. So what was I waiting for? Now, dentists are, are one thing. Let me be a little more vulnerable for, with you for a second. Um, I have a reoccurring issue that happens in my life that has to do with my health. And it's my weight. And it's been an ongoing battle that I've had since I was about 23 years old. And I have fought and won and lost and fought and won and lost over and over and over again. And it's one of those things that, that I, know, I know how to do it. I know that you have to go to the gym. I know that you have to eat healthy. Um, but there are just moments that I, that, that I just don't really sell out to the process. Um. And it's one of those things that we're always looking for excuse not to do, right? It's like Haley and I were just talking about, you know, if you've ever been through a move and all the transitions, I don't know about you, but I eat my feelings and I eat my stress. And, um, and so this last year has been crazy for me, losing weight and gaining weight. And right now I've gained some weight, a little bit of the weight back. And we were talking about how we need to kind of get back on the right track of, you know, and exercising, eating healthy. And, but when we started looking at our schedule, we were like, well, this week we're moving into our house, and this week, you know, she's going back to Oklahoma, and then this next week, you know, we, we're going on a trip with my parents, and this next week we're doing this, and then it's our anniversary, and we can't be on a diet when we're going on our anniversary, and then Thanksgiving is two weeks away, and who wants to be on a diet during Thanksgiving, and then Christmas is four weeks away, and so we don't want to be on a diet, and so it's just like, and you just rationalize over and over and over again, but one of the things I know is that health is an issue for me. My dad, you know, about five years ago, had to have three stents put into his heart. Um, my grandfather died of a heart attack. And when I start looking at, you know, my family history and my life, it's, the question is, is, is what am I waiting for? What are you waiting for? And we all have those things in our lives where we say, what, what are we waiting for? We all get stuck in a waiting pattern at times. Sometimes it's, it's health. You know, you want to be healthy but you're kind of stuck in that waiting pattern, not sure what to do or how. Some of it's a habit. 
you know, that you want to kick and you know, you know, if it's smoking or drinking or, or whatever, whatever that habit is that you know that, that you don't want to be, it's not like it's a terrible thing, but it's, it's not good for you and you want to be rid of it, but, but you just keep putting it off. Maybe it's a, a bad relationship or somebody that's just dragging you down. Or maybe it's uh, something that you need to say to a loved one or to a friend and you know it's going to be a tough conversation, so you just keep putting it off. You know things could be better. And the question is, is what are you waiting for? Heart attack? A financial crisis in your family? A disaster? A divorce? You can go on and on. What are we waiting for? In a church, we're in a time of change. I mean, the biggest change is that you have a new pastor as of seven weeks ago, right? We're in a time of change in a building. We're doing renovations. We're knocking down walls. We're in a time of change where we're looking at the future and say, God, what do you have next for us? And so if we're in a time of change in some areas in our life, then, it, then probably it's just a good time to make a change in another area of our lives. If we don't, we can be like Jeremiah, where he says in your notes, He says, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're still not saved. Jeremiah said, we had the window to break free. We had the window to get out. We had the window, the moment, and and we missed it. So what are you waiting for? Well, there's a few things that I wrote that that you can write in your notes in those blanks at the top. What are some things that make us wait? Just a few thoughts, just real quickly. I'm not going to stay long on these. Um, The first one is fear. Sometimes we wait because, because we're afraid. We're like that little kid, you know, laying in bed, and, and we know we have to go use the restroom, right? But we're just sure the boogeyman is underneath that bed. And so we're locked up, you know. Have you ever heard the phrase, they were paralyzed with fear? It's, it's a real thing, folks. And sometimes that's what gets us in the way of, of making a change, the fact that we're just plain afraid. We're afraid of the conversation. We're afraid of what may happen. We're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of the unknown. And because of that fear, we get locked in a waiting place. Sometimes it's the fact that we're just comfortable. You know, it's, our life is just easy. We want to change, but, but we don't want the discomfort of change. And so we just kick back in our lazy boy and just say, hey, you know, I'll just, I'll just ride it out. It's not that big a deal. I mean, I want it to be different, but I don't necessarily want to do all the things that I have to do to, to make it different. And so we're comfortable. Another thing is, is that maybe we're just unclear. We're not sure of what that next step may be. The, the future's cloudy. There's lots of options, and, and we don't know what to do. And because of all the options, we, we, we create an indecision in our lives, and so we just wait. You know, it's me when I go shopping, you know. I want to buy that TV, and I look at all these amazing TVs up on a wall, and, and all of them would look beautiful in my living room. And So I look at that one, and oh, I could see that one. I look at that one, oh, that one's even better. And I look at this one, I could see that one. Next thing you know, I've been standing in front of like five TVs for an hour, not sure which one I could buy, and all of them are better than the one that I have. It's indecision. We see all the changes, we see all the possibilities, and we're just not sure. It's just too cloudy. Maybe it's past hurts. Maybe the reason we wait is because we have scars. We have wounds that cripple us. And so when it's time to make that change and to step out, instead of making the step, we flinch. 
because we know what it felt like before, and, and we're not sure we want to do that again. You know, whenever you get back into exercising, and you, you go to the gym, and you're doing that bench press, and you're working out your body, and then that next day, that, that lactic acid or whatever sets in, and if anybody just even breathes on you the right way, you're just like, oh, it hurts so bad. And then that next day you go to the gym, you think, I don't want to experience that again. And so you don't go. You rub icy hot on and you lay in bed, you take extra Tylenol, and you want to go to the gym, but your body hurts too bad. It's those scars. And now physical wounds are one thing, but when we start talking about emotional scars, we talk about the way people wound our spirit, those conversations that don't go the way we want them to, and the next thing you know, everything's blown up in our face. It's that type of scar. It's that type of past, past hurt that even creates the waiting period even more. So sometimes it's, it's scars. Sometimes we just don't know what to do. We don't know how to grow. And so the reason that we wait is just because we're not sure. What does it look like? How do I make this change? And instead of asking somebody who knows, we just, we just don't do it because there's just, it's just too hard and we can't figure it out. It's like that person that goes to the gym for the first time and they see all the stuff and it's like, okay, this, none of this makes sense. And so we leave. You do what with this? I am out. No. It's we don't know how to grow. And the last thing that causes us to wait is sometimes we're just afraid to ask for help. We're afraid to ask for help. Because the truth is, is that, is that sometimes to experience the change that we need to have in our lives, we need somebody in the path with us, helping us along the way. And so we have pride. And we don't want to admit that we have a problem. And we don't want to admit that there's something we can't handle. Now, guys struggle with this more than anybody. We love that we, pride. We think it's like a, you know, a powerful thing in our lives. And, and so we can ask for help. But I'm sure women struggle with it too. That's the power of AA, right? The power of AA is the first thing that you have to admit is that, is that the change that you have to have is something that you can't create in yourself. That there's a higher power. And then there's power in admitting your story to other people. And so why we wait is that we're afraid. We're afraid to ask for help. So how do we do it? How do we move forward? There's a really cool story that you find in the Old Testament about a kid named Jonathan. He's a young man at the time. And I want you to pull out your notes. You can read along with me. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the screen or not, but they're, they're in the bulletin. It says, One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young, young man bearing his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. I'm going to do this a little bit. Uh, where was that? He didn't tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. And Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by a few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then, we will cross over towards the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. 
So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they're hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up, using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. So what are some things that we can learn about change and about waiting through this story? And the first thing is this is that you have to become dissatisfied with your current status. If you want change, at some point, you just have to not be okay with where you are. Change begins with dissatisfaction. Change begins with with that gut feeling that I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what's happening. I don't like my current life. I don't like this stuff invading who I am. Bill Hybels calls it a holy discontent. That you have to get to a place where you have this holy discontent with something in your life or around you. He says we all have to get to a place where where we see something, we just say that's disgusting and I have to do something about it. The scripture says that Jonathan looked up over and he said, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows now i'm sure when he said that he didn't say hey armor bear let's go check out these uncircumcised guys right but there was an attitude about him that said hey these men aren't where they're supposed to be they're in our land we have to do something about this your heart has to want to change at some point you have to say it's too important to stay where you are. I look at my own life, and there's, there's, there has to come a point where I have to get beyond that eh, attitude and say that where I am physically in my life is not okay. And we all have areas in our lives. We all have those things that we have to grow to a point where we say, it's not all right. I'm dissatisfied. Something has to be different. So you have to become dissatisfied with your status, with whatever it is in your life. Here's the second thing, is you have to create a plan. You have to create a plan. When I was a, a youth pastor um, in, uh, in Missouri, we had this church that would hold a, a flag football tournament every single year. And uh, kids in our youth group, I had a youth group full of amazing athletes. And uh, so we just, we went over for the very first year and we just had this idea that we were just going to dominate this flag football. I mean, I had amazing baseball players. It was a guy and girl tournament and half the girls in my youth group, you know, went to state, you know, in, in, uh, in basketball. And so they were amazing athletes and we were just, we're going to dominate this thing, right? And so we get over there and, and we line, you know, we're starting the practices and we look over and, and this other team has this notebook in front of them of all these plays that they've drawn out. And they're like, play number one, and everybody lines up where they're supposed to, and they run it perfectly. And we, we look over there, and we're like, we're in trouble. Because we were amazing, amazing athletes, but, but we had a stick and some dirt. We were like, uh, we don't have any plays. And so we line up against this team that had a plan, and they smoked us. 
like like 50 to 30. I mean, they smoked us. And they weren't even half the athletes that I had on my squad. Why? Because they had a plan. They had an idea. They knew what they were. We were running around like our chickens with heads cut off, running into each other as we're trying to do these plays. And they were running them with precision. See, something happens when you create a plan. Something happens when you, when you just say, this is, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what it's going to look like, and this is how we're going to make it happen. The scripture, go back to the story. Jonathan had a plan. He said, come then. We'll cross over towards the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there, we'll wait. If they say, come up to us, we'll go up because God's delivered them. That was their plan. It may sound a little simplistic. It may sound a little bit weird, but it was the plan. The question is, what does change look like for you? What are the steps that you have to take? You know, if it's, if, it's, uh, if it's losing weight, you know you have to work out. You know you have to eat right. You know you have to step on that enemy, that scale, every single day and look at those terrible numbers. Not every day, but often. So you can do your progress. You have to, if, it's, if it's financial, you know you have to stop overspending. You have to start saving. You have to pay off those credit cards. You know that there, if it's relational... You know, you have to at some point confront. Maybe go to counseling. Maybe, maybe take your wife or your husband and say, our relationship's too important. Let's talk to somebody about it. What's the plan? Create one. Here's a third thought. Is that you have to count the cost. Any type of change that we're going to have in our lives, there's a price that has to be paid. You have to count the cost. Listen to Jonathan, what he says. He says, come, let's go over to the outpost. Perhaps the Lord will deliver them to us. Perhaps. Jonathan wasn't sure. Jonathan knew that there was a possibility that he would go and fight and that he could possibly lose. There was a cost that he was willing to pay. You have to count it. You know that if you work out, your body's going to hurt. That's the cost. Your muscles are going to ache. Anytime you create change in your life, the S word happens. And that's called stress. Right? On your body, on relationships, on life. And here's the thing about stress. Is that stress hurts, but sometimes stress can make you stronger. Sometimes stress can make you stronger. It's the resistance in life, that pushback that makes our faith stronger and makes our body stronger, that makes us smarter, that makes us better. So you count the cost. Financially, you count the cost. Spiritually, you count the cost with relationships. You count the cost with your body. You, count, you figure out what will this cost me and am I willing to pay it? Here's another thing, is that you create accountability. A few weeks ago, Haley and I were surfing on internet, on Facebook actually, and uh, one of my friends had posted, um, he's, a, he's an amazing um, young guy in his early, late, late 20s, and uh, he was going out of town um, for, for a week, and, uh, and he posted on Facebook about how he was meeting up with his accountability partner that morning, um, because he wanted his accountability partner to set his passcodes on his, his phone and on his computer and on his laptop and on his 
iPad, all his stuff, all of his electronical devices he was taking with him. He said, I, w- I want you to set up my, my passwords on here so that, so that whatever happens or whenever I'm alone, you know, I won't be able to look at pornography because you're going to set all the restrictions and you're going to put the passcode on. And, and so that way I'm not even tempted. And so, so he posted on Facebook, uh, you know, and just admitted to all his friends and family that he was doing this and it was really important to him. And as Haley and I were discussing it, she was like, that seems a little bit, seems a little bit weird that you would post that, you would tell everybody. And, and, and my response was, it, it might be a little bit weird that you would confess that to everyone, but at the same time, it's so bold and it's so beautiful. Because he was taking a temptation out of his hand tomorrow, today. And he was saying that, that I am willing, this accountability in my life, having this person as a part of my life, I'm willing to tell everybody that this is an issue in my life so that I don't have to face that temptation tomorrow. I'm eliminating it today. And here's the thing is that is wisdom. Accountability is wisdom. It's not a sign of of weakness. It shows maturity. Jonathan, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, dot, dot, dot. See, I'm not doing this by myself. I'm taking somebody with me. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three or even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. When you stand alone, it's easy to get pushed over. It's easy to fall. It's easy to get isolated. It's easy to, be, to get knocked down. But when you have that person who's got your back, when you have that three braided cord, man, that stuff doesn't break. Jesus, Mark 6, 7 says, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. I don't think it was a coincidence that Jesus was saying, I'm not sending you out there alone, but you're going out two by two. You're going out as a team. You're going to minister to this community together. See, if you want to create a change in your life, then you have to ask a close friend to journey with you. You see, a high percentage of people fail because their commitments are private. You see, commitments are supposed to be personal, not private. Over 119 times in the New Testament, Paul or someone else writes each other or one another. He's saying that that over 119 times he's talking about this idea that we need community. We need people in our lives to help us. Commitments are supposed to be personal, not private. We need that. We need that support, that strength, that commitment that comes from accountability. So we create it. See, there's too many people in this room who have been saying something needs to change and then just trying to do it on their own. Who's that person that can come alongside you and battle with you and have your back as you create that change in your life? So you create accountability. And at some point, you just have to make the move. You just have to make a move. At some point, you have to stop talking about it and say, I'm just going to do it. This change is too important. I've planned. I've prepped. I've prayed. I have authority. I have accountability. I have the desire. I'm going. i got to stop talking about it, and I just have to do it. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. At some point, Jonathan just said, hey, if we're going to do this, Let's do it. A lot of people talk about change. A lot of, talk about, a lot of people talk about who they want to become and what they want to do and 
the possibility and the future and what their family could be like if they were just debt-free or whatever it is, and they never do anything about it. They plan it, they discuss it, they dream it, but they never do it. They never make the change. At some point, the talking has to stop and action has to take place. You make the move. And here's one last thought, and it's the most important, is that when you're creating this change in your life, when you're taking that step, when you're making the move, when you're creating accountability, is that you have to lean into God. It's a simple truth. God, God wins the battle. God creates lasting change in our lives. Samuel writes this about Jonathan. He says, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. You see, Jonathan knew that it wasn't going to be his strength and it wasn't going to be his masterful fighting skills. It wasn't going to be the the two against the 20, but it was going to be God. The truth is, is there are some days you just don't want to do it. It's just too hard. The donuts look too good. The TV at the store that you want to buy on credit is too sparkly and too beautiful. And you just want to, don't want to, you just, you just, you don't want to do it. But at some point, you just have to lean into the Lord and receive His power and take that step. Scripture says a final word, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. It's His strength in us. It's His power in us. It's His Holy Spirit in us. Because see, sometimes the change, it doesn't start well. And we have a few bad days and it hurts too bad or, or we're burned in ministry or, or someone talks bad about us and, 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 and they misinterpret our motivations. And the next thing you know, there are scars and there's issues and it's not happening the way you want it to. And that's when you lean into the Father. That's when you run to Him. That's when you do and you are obedient to what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight when He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you really want to go back? Do you really want to stay the way you are? What are you waiting for? This morning as we close, I just have a question for you. Sarah, you can come on up, worship team. I just have a question for you. What is it that you need to change? What is that thing that that you need God to to move in your life. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's relational. Maybe it's a relationship that, that, that you need God's moving power in. Maybe it's an addiction or a habit that, that, that you're struggling with or, or that has had its claws in your life for so long and, and it's just been beating you down. Maybe it's financial. Maybe your family needs to get out of debt or you need to start being obedient to the Lord and, and giving to the church and giving to Him and, 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 and just allowing Him to set free your life. Whatever it is, this morning as we worship Him, just take a moment to listen to His voice. Just share your concern with Him and allow His Holy Spirit to minister to you. What are you waiting for? If you'd like to, to pray with me, you can come back in the tile in front of the kitchen. I'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to take your family and take communion, There's lots of communion elements over to the side and feel free to do that. 
If you'd like to write a prayer request, you can do it on the card or, or to give to the Lord um, in, in, in uh, to giving your tithes and offerings. Just be obedient to him as you listen to his spirit. God, thank you for this moment. There have been so many times in my life that I've been stuck in a waiting power, pattern. Maybe it's fear or, or, um, or just comfort. Or maybe I'm just paralyzed. I don't know what to do. But God, this morning is an opportunity for us to just be obedient to you and to lean into your spirit and your power. Father, there's some of us that need to make a change in our lives. And God, we just ask you to give us the boldness to do it with you, Father. Maybe, God, that, that there's a name in our life, a, a person, a friend, somebody that we can share with that, um, that, that can help us on our journey. Father, speak that to us this morning, who we need to share with help us create the change that we need. Our Father, maybe we've been trying to do this on our own strength and our own power and we failed over and over again. Teach us this morning what it means to lean into your strength. Lean into your power to be obedient to you, God. Father, you know what we need. Your Holy Spirit is the great counselor and the great teacher. And so I pray that as we worship you and as we respond to you, that you would intercede in us. If we've been stuck waiting, we would ask the question, what are we waiting for? And we'd get to move. We love you. We thank you. We're grateful for you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship the Lord.